Hi, this is Revel with Rockin' Radio. Please check out my newest site, letstalkraw.com, where your questions will be asked of our guests. We've got a full lineup through July 2009 as of this episode. With a small one-time lifetime fee, you can participate in all the interviews by emailing your questions and receive my e-booklet, Let's Talk Raw, an unbaker's dozen of my favorite recipes. As I said, we've got Paul coming on um, in May. We've got him on May 4th. We've got uh, Rita Mae Lascasso, whose probably name I just ruined. Rod Retendi is coming up. Uh, got a whole lineup of a whole lot of people. Rio, Tanya Kay is back, David Vitalis. So check out letstalkraw.com. It's a one-time fee. Also check out my other my website, revelations.com, with two V's and two L's, where you can sign up for my weekly revelations. When you do, you'll receive my latest ebook, find out about my teleclasses or my books, Revolutionize Your Life in 30 Days, a self-empowering playbook, and Smoothies and Smoothies for Life, and also books I recommend from Amazon and more. Um, segment is brought to you by PhotoBoothLosAngeles.com, the premier photo booth rental company in Southern California. If you know of or are holding an upcoming event, please consider having PhotoBooth Los Angeles as part of the festivities. They're available for weddings, graduations, corporate events, reunions, anniversaries, and more. My guest today is Paul Neeson, and uh, we're talking about his latest book, and it is called The Daylight Diet. Is there a subtitle to that, Paul? Yeah, it's called The Daylight Diet, Divine Eating for Superior Health and Digestion. Oh, I like that. Divine Eating. That is very cool. And yeah, I like and you can that. actually see the, the cover is on my blog uh, on uh, paulneeson.blogspot.com. <laughs> and also on my blog, every single day we have a video show now. So we have a new video every day on, uh, the, blog, on the blog. You could sign up for that and get a new video every day about raw food and raw foods, and it's just a wonderful, it's really doing great. Fantastic. Okay, now, we haven't talked about water. What, what, how does water come into this whole situation? How much do you drink? Uh, any particular kind? I think we had talked about this on uh, our last interview, but let's go over it again. Well, uh, basically, many years ago, I met somebody named Morris Crook who wrote many books, and he told me about the morning water cure. And basically, when you get up, that's the best time to drink water upon awakening. It helps flush out the body, and it helps prepare the body for food. Uh, we shouldn't be drinking with our meals. We should be drinking between our meals. Uh, one hour before or one hour after, we shouldn't have any liquids. Uh, and uh, water is very important. I use the ionized water. I think it's excellent, the ionized water. Uh, but if I'm on the road and I can't get that, I'll just try to get the cleanest water I can find. Basically, any water except the water right out of your tap in your house that's not filtered is, is acceptable. Uh, and everyone has their preferences of what they think is better, and there's so many positive and negative reports about every type of water out there. The big problem is we need to make sure we get enough water. A lot of people out there think, oh, if I'm eating a lot of fruits or a lot of high uh, water content foods, I don't need water. No, water is, is very important for the body, uh, and it's very important we drink a good amount every day. Uh, however, one thing I noticed and one thing I wrote in my book is uh, if we drink water right before going to sleep, it's going to affect the, uh, the level of our sleep or the stage of our sleep. Uh, if we have to get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, well, then we're not getting the deep sleep that we require. So I think we need to drink water throughout the day between our meals. The majority of it should be when we get up in the morning, and we should stop drinking water a couple of hours before going to sleep. Hmm. Well, I don't do that. Because <laughs> well, what, what happens? If somebody can drink water before going to sleep and not wake up during the night, then that's fine. Uh-huh. There's nothing wrong with that. 
But the majority of people that drink water before going to sleep usually get up at some point during the night. We have to understand there's four stages to sleep. And, uh, you know, to get to that deep stage four sleep, uh, it takes a while to get there. And uh, every time we get up and go back to sleep, we have to get work back to get there. I know a lot of people that sleep a lot of hours, but they don't get that deep four sleep. And, and it's, it's not really doing them any good. They, want to, they need to get that deep four sleep. So if you're the type of person that can uh, drink uh, some water before going to sleep and not get up, then fine. But the majority of people, they, they need to. Now, if you have a sip of water, that might not, you know, cause you to get up. But if you drink a lot of water at night, it's going to affect your sleep. Yeah, I think for me is because I started having cramps uh, in my calves. And I found out that drinking a, a glass of water before I go to bed stopped that. But I think it's also not having had enough water during the day. And absorbing. Uh, that's very true. That's very true. If we're hydrating ourselves evenly throughout the day, you know, we should be fine not needing it before we go to sleep. Um, Paul, before um, we well, off the air, we, you had mentioned something about trends and customs. Could you talk a bit about that for the next few minutes? Sure. Well, uh, we, we there must have been a time uh, when we didn't eat at nighttime before we had electricity. And we look back in history and there, uh, there was a time where we didn't eat overeat. Uh, where we slept a lot, and uh, and and people were uh, healthy naturally without having to take vitamins and supplements and all these things. And of course, there are many other stresses that contribute to our poor health today. However, uh, we do have control over when we eat and when we don't eat. Uh, and it's always been a custom uh, or a trend to do what's popular. And right now, it's popular to eat when it's uh, dark outside. Uh, but that hasn't always been the way it's been. Uh, you know, before they had electricity, only the rich people that had a lot of candles to light their castles and big houses were able to eat at nighttime, and we find a connection between disease and those people. I mean, the, the peasants that were working on the farms and, and, and so on that didn't have electricity or even uh, candles and so on, when it got dark out, they went to sleep, and they woke up early in the morning when the sun came up, and they had much better health. Uh, and in my book, I go through the different cultures, uh, how we went from eating uh, uh, two times a day to three times a day to five times a day. And we got to a point where we think all you can eat is a good bargain instead of thinking it might be unhealthy. Uh, so we see what's trendy today uh, and, and what's become custom today is not the way it's always been. And we could see uh, where people are going uh, off off with their thinking and how they're getting confused, but uh, I go back and I look at the names of our meals. I mean, we used to have breakfast and we used to have dinner and we used to have, uh, some people used to have supper, but now we have lunch, crunch, brunch, uh, and midnight <laughs> snacks and desserts and all these different names and all these different types of meals. I mean, you know, dessert spelled backwards means stress, and that's what we become by just overeating and getting away from uh, nature. So there's basically man-made... Uh, you know, man-made trends and customs versus what nature dictates is best for our body. We were designed to eat certain foods, and many people understand that those foods are fruits and vegetables. But what a lot of people don't understand is we were designed to eat them at a certain time, and that's when the sun is out, not when it's nighttime. So do you, do you uh, go with three meals a day or five to six small meals? No, some of the worst uh, teaching out there when it comes to health is to eat five or six or seven or eight or nine, ten times a day. Uh, it never gives the body a chance to fully digest the last meal, and this is what creates 
many of the diseases out there because disease starts in the, in the colon, and if there's a dirty colon, you have a, a lot of gas buildup, and then you have a lot of other issues beginning to get worse and worse, yeast and fungus, and then uh, it gets even worse on a cellular level. Uh, so we don't need to eat a lot of the times throughout the day. And first of all, nobody really eats small meals today anymore. So to say five small meals, you got usually people eating five big meals uh, because, you know, even if something is is not big in size, it's very complicated for us to eat. It's a big meal to the body. Uh, but, no, we only need to eat uh, two or three meals a day. Uh, absolutely no one, I don't care what they do for a living, and no one needs to eat more than three times a day and be healthy and thrive. Uh, I think two would be ideal for most people. Uh, three is acceptable, but anything more than three times a day is, is just uh, a bad habit. And uh, I talk in my book about uh, exactly uh, how people can do that and why it's not good to eat more than uh, two or three times a day. Uh, and more and more people are coming to learn now today. I mean, there's uh, a lot of studies that show, you know, systematically under-eating is much healthier than, than habitually overeating. And uh, that's the lesson I think a lot of people need to learn. Great. Okay. The name of your book again is? The Daylight Diet, uh, Divine Eating for Superior Health and Digestion. And it's coming out in June? It's coming out in June. You can pre-order the book now on my web, uh, my web store at rawlife.com. And uh, I'm really excited about this. And uh, I'm going to be giving a lecture tour uh, on this uh, topic all over the country. I already have some dates set up in June, uh, and then I'm going to planning on being in the summertime. I'm going to be uh, over uh, other places. But right now in June, I'm going to be speaking in uh, – can I go ahead and give that now? Go for it. I'm going to be in June. I'm going to be in uh, – I'm going to head up the East Coast and go to the Jacksonville area, and then I'm going to Atlanta area, and then I'm heading over to the Midwest, to Kansas City, uh, Oklahoma, and Texas. And then uh, in the summertime, in August, I'll be in the New York East Coast area. And then uh, after that, I'll be on the West Coast. If you want all these dates and all this information, just go to my website, paulnissan.com, and you click on the event and you have all the information. Paul, are we going to see you at any of the Raw Spirit Festivals? Uh, I think I'm going to be at the one in, uh, in the East Coast. Okay. Uh, in Washington. I think I'm going to get out there. Oh, that would be great. All right. Well, if you come out west, come see me. Well, I will be out west uh, in the fall, and I will definitely keep in touch with you. Absolutely. Okay. So uh, listen to Paul on Let's Talk Raw, May 4th. Uh, you just get to sign in, register, and ask the questions. And we're going to talk to Paul off the air, uh, get his, get, see if we can get his wife to get on and talk to all the women about having a baby and how to do that in the most healthy way. Go right now to register for letstalkraw.com. Thank you for listening. We'll be back soon after with another episode of Rockin' Radio. Please feel free to go to rockinradio.com to purchase books and DVDs by all of my guests to help keep this program on the air. If you'd like to advertise on or sponsor this program, please contact me at rockinradio at mac.com. My engineer is Bo Astrup. I'm Revel Revity saying, remember to revel in life and always play with your food. Bye for now. Hello, this is Revel, and you are listening to Rockin' Radio. For timeline clarity, this show was recorded and uploaded in April 2009.
My guest today is the world's leading raw food author, lecturer, and raw food gourmet health chef, Paul Neeson. Welcome, Paul. Hi, thank you. It's great to be here. Well, it's my pleasure having you on the show again. Um, a lot of things have happened since you uh, since we spoke before, including having a new baby, yeah? Uh, yeah, well, my wife had the baby, but uh, <laughs> it's ours. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's so wonderful uh, to have a, bring a baby in this world and to bring her up healthy because most parents today do not know or understand how to bring their children up healthy or even what health is. And, unfortunately, my parents and Andrea's parents and and most people our age, our parents really didn't know what about health, but we know about health. We're bringing our baby up healthy, and all throughout uh, Andrea's pregnancy, she was healthy, and uh, we have a, a beautiful, healthy baby. Okay, so for uh, those who don't know, I have a program called Let's Talk Raw.com. We're going to see if we can get Andrea to come on Let's Talk Raw so the women and the men can come on and ask questions about her, her pregnancy. And we'll, we'll do a little bit right now, though, because uh, I'm sure people want to know if uh, Andrea was 100% raw while she was pregnant. Uh, no, she was not. And uh, anyone that knows me recommends, you know, knows I, I never recommend 100% raw because it's not, it's not necessary. Uh, Andrea worked uh, all throughout her pregnancy at the Hippocrates Health Institute, mm-hmm. and she was blessed to be there and eat the food there. Uh, so I'd say uh, about uh, 80, she was about 85% raw throughout her pregnancy. Uh, the important thing to mention is before she was pregnant, she was about 85% raw. So nothing changed. She stayed what she was doing. Uh, she was mostly on a Hippocrates diet. Uh, you know, she had, you know, there, there was a period there during the, during the second trimester where she kind of got sick of eating salads. But that didn't get her off the raw diet. That just made her go to a little bit more uh, fruits or nuts or even uh, the raw the raw prepared foods. But then she started craving the salads again in the in the next trimester, and uh, you know she did fine. And it, you know she didn't she actually didn't even need to eat more during the pregnancy. It was uh, now while she's breastfeeding that she seems to be craving more food, but. It was just a very smooth thing. She had a little bit morning sickness during the first trimester, uh, nothing major. And uh, once that cleared up, it was pretty much smooth sailing, and uh, she ate uh, 85% raw. But was, was she 100% vegan? Uh, no, she wasn't. Okay. Uh, our, our midwife has a lot of experience doing this, and, uh, you know, and Andrea and myself, even before she was pregnant, were not technically 100% vegan. I mean, we do honey uh, and some of the other questionable things like honey. And, and, and uh, also, you know, on occasions, if we have the opportunity, we don't see an issue with raw goat milk. Uh, it's not something that needs, that needs to be part of the diet, but, uh, but you know, so uh, she had done that. And uh, there were a couple of times where uh, the midwife uh, had suggested that, you know, just, to, you know, when her blood work, you know, was, her blood work looked fine all throughout, but there were times when the midwife uh, had suggested that she have uh, a raw egg in her smoothie, and uh, that's the only difference she did when she was uh, pregnant from when she wasn't. Uh, once in a while, she had a raw egg in her smoothie. Okay. Did she uh, take any kind of supplements? Yeah, she took uh, all the supplements. Uh, Hippocrates Health Institute uh, offers the... Uh, probiotics, the enzymes. She did E3 Live every day, which is a liquid algae. Mm-hmm. 
she did that every day, and uh, that was a tremendous help. You know, she did the folic acid, the B vitamins, uh, and, uh, you know, she did take an iron supplement as well. It, basically, we looked at the prenatal vitamins, and we got the higher source of those from different places. Okay. What kind of movement or exercise did she do during her uh, pregnancy? She did a tremendous amount of stretching every morning. Uh, and, you know, basically that's what she did. She did a lot of stretches and, you know, breathing exercises. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing too strenuous, but, you know, just to relax, you know, and open things up, and so everything was fine. And how long was the... Uh, I'm, I'm hearing myself here. How long was she um, in labor? Uh, the labor, actually... Uh, I would say anywhere between 12 to 16 hours. Uh, and, you know, and it was, we had uh, a natural childbirth and uh, we, at home with the midwife and everything was fine. Uh, she, she was in the pool, and a birthing pool, so that helped the contractions. And then, uh, you know, so that, the, the total time about, you know, 12 to 15 or 16 hours. Okay. And no, but we, we, we got to remember, it wasn't, uh, 15 hours of excruciating pain like I hear stories of. It was about uh, 15 hours, but, I mean, she was so comfortable in the pool, she was sleeping between contractions. Oh, that's cool. That's so it's a big difference from the from what you would hear in the stories. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And, uh, okay, so she had the baby in the pool. That's very cool. No, 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 she didn't have the baby in the pool. Okay. Uh, she, she, we used the pool pretty much the whole time, and then, uh, the midwife was uh, examining her while she was out of the pool, and then here came the baby. Well, you can tell I've never had a child, so I don't know about these things. <laughs> and Noah Raquel, how's she doing? How old is she now? Uh, actually, today she's three months, and uh, she's doing great. She, uh, uh, she's uh, 100% uh, breastfed, and uh, she's, her weight is great, and she's actually at the top class of her weight for her size. Uh, and she's doing wonderful. The midwife checks her and says everything's great, and she's just beautiful. And you can see pictures on my blog at paulneeson.blogspot.com and on my Facebook page. And, yeah, Andrea will get on here and talk all about, you know, her, the baby and also how she's doing on, on a future episode. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you've got a new book out called The Daylight Diet. Let's talk about that for a minute. Sure. What prompted you uh, to well, write? Uh, yeah. Ahead. Did go you ahead. have a question or did you want me to just talk about it? You know what? Go ahead and talk. I was going to ask what prompted you to write it in the first place. All right. Well, that's a great question because that's what I planned on talking about. So, <laughs> uh, Basically, uh, when I was sick many years ago with inflammatory bowel disease, ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease, my uh, doctors just kept, kept telling me to eat more, and they didn't really tell me there was any connection between diet and my health. Well, I found the more I ate, the worse I felt. So when I started eating less, I felt better. So it was my first connection between diet and health. And uh, keeping that in the back of my mind, the less I ate, the better I felt. Uh, after being on a raw food diet for many years and meeting many people on a raw food diet, I noticed the majority of them aren't, do, aren't healthy. Uh, there's a big problem in a raw food movement today. A lot of people uh, are eating the raw junk foods. And even more important is a lot of people overeat on no matter what kind of food you're eating. If you're overeating, you're not going to be as healthy as you can be. Well, uh, I noticed that a lot of people were eating, uh, not only overeating, but also eating at the wrong times. 
through my research and my studies, I found when we when the sun goes down and it's dark outside, if we were naturally in nature without artificial lighting, we wouldn't be eating in the dark. Uh, and there's a, a direct connection between our digestion and also the times of the day. When the sun is out, our digestion is at its highest, and when the sun is down, our digestion is at its lowest. Uh, so I just kept doing a lot of research on that over the years, and then uh, my friend Tanya Savaska ended up writing a book called Qu Quantum Eating. And in there she talked about how she doesn't eat at nighttime, uh, and, and it really, you know, encouraged me to get my information out because I had a couple of conversations with Tanya and I told her, I said, I have information that supports not eating at nighttime, but it's not the same information you have. And we were both excited that we had different information, but we came up with the same conclusion. Uh, as a matter of fact, Tanya's writing a forward to my book. And uh, so uh, we ended up, you know, so I ended up uh, getting encouraged to uh, put what I have found in writing, and that's what this book is about. Cool. You know what? Let's let's talk about that in a moment because I'm I'm definitely want to know what your information is that you can give us without giving away the whole book in a half hour. All right. So we'll be back in a flash with Rock and Radio. Hi, and welcome back to Rockin' Radio. The second edition of my book, Smoothies and Smoothies for Life, is based on the raw food lifestyle. It's now out as a beautiful soft cover with four-color photos and as an ebook. I'd rather you get it from my site than from Amazon because Amazon is always out of stock. I'm always in stock. <laughs> I've added more recipes, two new sections, one about health properties of the ingredients in the book and 138 common health conditions and potential natural relief using the recipes in the book. I guarantee a container of smoothies every day will change your life. Uh, remember to surrender to the blender for optimal health. Uh, the segment of um, Rockin' Radio is also sponsored by PopsProductions.com, where you can participate in webinars and learn in an easy manner all you need to know about websites, servers, Web 2.0, and more. Please tell them you heard about them on Rockin' Radio. My guest today is Paul Neeson. Uh, his website... PaulNeeson.com. That's P-A-U-L-N as in Nancy, I-S-O-N as in Nancy, PaulNeeson.com. It's all one word. Go to his web store, pick up his books, RawLife.com, or go to RockinRadio.com. As soon as it's available, it'll be uh, linked on my show, on my uh, webpage, Rockin' Radio, and that's R-A-W-K-I-N, RockinRadio.com. Um, Paul, you mentioned raw junk food. What does that mean to you? Because I, I mentioned something on on my blog about how all these all these companies are coming up with all these boxes and packages and stuff. The food isn't real. It doesn't have any life force in it, and it's so easy to become a vegetarian, but not a healthy vegetarian. And now I'm seeing that raw people are doing the same thing. You know, they're buying all this stuff in packages and stuff, and there's no life force, although it's raw. Is that what you're talking about? Exactly. When I first went uh, to a raw food vegetarian diet, one of the reasons I did was because I was eating fruits and vegetables for the first time in my life. I was eating real food. Uh, I stopped eating the junk that comes in a bag, container, box, or a, or a, or a bottle. And, and it made a tremendous difference. But now what's happening is, like you just said, there's a lot of people in the vegetarian and raw food movement making uh, products that uh, c come in, bags, containers, boxes, cans, and bottles, uh, and they're not, and, and they're forgoing eating the live, raw, organic, fresh fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds in their natural state. Uh, well, that's the whole reason me and many people uh, began to do this to begin with, and we're just taking a step backwards. 
when we leave uh, the things like the, the carrot down and we go for the, the carrot cake in a box or when we leave uh, the apple and we go for the apple pie. Uh, these are, these are they, you know, some people might call them fun foods, but if you have fun foods too often, then they're junk foods. And a lot of people are making this uh, the majority of their diet. And I don't care if you call it raw, vegan, organic, or whatever. If you're eating a lot of food, test, uh, if they're not fresh, uh, they're, they're not healthy. And, and this is why a lot of people in the raw food and vegetarian movement aren't doing as well. I know a lot of people who eat a raw diet who are healthy, but I know a lot of people who eat a raw diet who are sick. I also know a lot of people who eat, uh, you know, uh, a non-raw diet who are healthy, and I know a lot of uh, non-raw people who uh, are sick. The main difference I have found uh, is that they're eating, uh, you know, they're not eating enough fresh foods, uh, and also how much they're eating, but also when they're eating, when they eat at uh, nighttime and they overindulge at nighttime, our digestion isn't working as well. So this creates a big problem. And when you have the majority of the raw fooders out there eating the majority of their food uh, late at night and it's not fresh food, well, then they're just going to be just as sick as the average person who's eating uh, junk food. And that's what's happening. Well, correct me on this if, if I'm wrong, is when people are really hungry at night, my feeling is they've not, number one, eaten enough during the day, and number two, or this should be number one, not eating enough nutrients during the day so their hunger is satisfied. Is this, is this your uh, opinion as well or no? Well, to a certain degree, you're exactly right. Uh, but also there's, there's many different reasons why people have hunger. I mean, habit hunger is the most common. I mean, even if a, people, uh, even if a person has eaten uh, the, the nutrients they need and the amount of food they need, if they're used to eating at a certain time every day, they're going to get what we call habit hunger. Mm-hmm. But the majority of people are not satisfied later in the day because, like you say, they haven't had uh, the good quality nutrients that their body requires throughout the day. And I have found the best way to help overeating at nighttime is to eat higher quality foods in the daytime, uh, and then you should be fine and you wouldn't even crave the food during the nighttime. Uh, but like you said, most people forego that and they end up with, with these issues. Uh, and there's, you know, emotional eating and emotional TV shows and movies that happen at nighttime, so that also uh, makes people want to eat at nighttime. The world revolves around, you know, people doing things emotionally, and we look at uh, anywhere in the world. I've traveled all over the world, and we see uh, there's a lot more emotions that are, that are spent uh, at nighttime when the sun goes down uh, for a reason, and, and, you know, and then the advertisers know that, and uh, we should be sleeping at that time or getting ready for bed, uh, but when we're out and about, you know, and the advertisers uh, are controlling us, that's when we run into trouble. Well, what time do you get up and what and go to bed, Paul? Well, I can tell you what the ideal is, and then I can tell you what I do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for the most part, when things are going good, because I, I travel a lot on the road, uh-huh. uh, so I, I can tell you what time I would like to get up and go to bed, uh, but I'm not reaching the ideal all the time only because, uh, you know, sure. uh, of, of my schedule and everything else. And I, and I recommend everyone, you have to do your best for your own situation without making excuses. Uh-huh. Uh, but the ideal is, and I do do the ideal uh, the majority of the time, uh, I think, you know, there's a common phrase that we should be working from 9 to 5. Well, I think it's good that we should be sleeping from 9 to 5. Uh, and I usually... Uh, ideally, I like to get to sleep, uh, you know, anywhere between uh, 9.30 or 10.30 and get up uh, be a little before sunrise. 
whenever that might be during the season. Uh, so that, that, that's best, and that's what I would recommend for everyone. Uh, and, you know, but if we're, if we're all stuck watching TV late at night and all this other garbage, uh, then it's going to be hard for us to do that. Another issue is people are taking stimulants late at night and they have trouble falling asleep. Uh, so that's another big deal. But uh, the average person between 9, about 9.30, they get to sleep, you know, wake up a little bit before sunrise. That's the ideal time to sleep, and that's what I recommend people do. Now, for me, one of, the, one of the things that keeps me from sleeping, or I'll go to sleep and I'll wake up at, at 2 or so. Hello? What is that? Uh, are, no, no, are what you, did you just say? <laughs> are you using Skype? Because huh. <laughs> somebody is, is uh, interfering with us. Anyway, what I was saying is what I find for myself is if I eat late, like after 8 p.m., I might go to sleep easily, but I'll wake up at one thirty two in the morning. And uh, so- Yeah, it definitely affects our sleep when we eat late at night. And not only uh, do we not sleep as well or have bad dreams, but some of us can't even fall asleep. So uh, it definitely does affect our sleep. And it's a, there's a whole chapter in my book about the importance of sleep. You cannot eat uh, a daylight diet according to what I recommend if you're not sleeping according to uh, the natural cycles of the body, which would be when it's nighttime. Most people today, they're waking up. If you have a schedule to wake up, to eat your first meal at 8 a.m. and you're waking up at 11 a.m., guess what's going to be off schedule? Uh, and that's what's happening. People aren't uh, they don't have a good schedule, and, and, and they're not able to follow one when they do. And sleep is the main culprit in getting us off a daylight diet. Uh, so it's very important that people get their sleeping uh, patterns corrected before they even think about eating at the right time. Okay. Uh, you, um, there are people who call themselves, quote-unquote, night owls. That's, that's not natural, but how, how can somebody like that change their habits? I mean, it seems to make them irritable when they have to go to bed early, and they can't well, sleep. Yeah, well, well, well uh, first of all, you know, the only animals in nature that eat at nighttime are nocturnal animals, and humans are not nocturnal animals. Uh, we need to be eating in the daytime, and uh, there's stimulants that keep us awake at night. There's entertainment, there's, there's the television and movies and people and things. Uh, but naturally, no one is a night owl. We've gotten accustomed to doing things at nighttime, and uh, just like it's taken us many, many years to get accustomed to that, it might take us years to to get out of that habit. But it's a habit, uh, and we just got to get in the habit of doing things on a better schedule. Uh, so you know, if somebody's used to doing things later at night, they have to change their schedule around, uh, and it's not easy at first. Just like people, when you first went to a raw food diet. You didn't switch overnight and, and say this is easy. You know, you took your time to get used to not eating certain foods you were used to. Well, if you're used to being up at 3 o'clock in the morning playing video games, but then you realize it's no good for you and you want to stop, 3 o'clock at night when you're trying to sleep, you're going to be thinking about that video game. <laughs> but if you consistently avoid the video games and you consistently get to bed at the right time, eventually uh, you'll be able to overcome those, those bad habits. All righty, we'll be back in a moment with Paul Neeson. Uh, go to paulneeson.com or his web store, rawlife.com, to pick up his books. He's also got a blog, paulneeson.blogspot.com. All this will be on our website, rockandradio.com. So just go there and check it out. And uh, his books are also listed there. We'll be back in a flash. <laughs> 